Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. We are Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. Do you recommend being drunk while skiing? Um, the average single-family home price was $10 million. My wife told me that she would not go to San Diego with me ever because she thinks I would embarrass her. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the No Blackout Dates podcast. We got a real door slammer for you today with... Uh, my buddy, Lane Johnson, who is a realtor in Aspen with a company called Compass. And I know him as a media liaison for the Aspen Ski Company. I've been there a few times on press trips and paired with Lane for dinner and uh, mountain biking and some other fun activities. He's a good dude, has a lot to say. And he is one of the only people I know that has successfully made the transition from ski bum to high-earning professional without actually having to leave the ski town. You're right, Tim. We do have a absolute door slammer on our hands this week, and that's glad. It was good to talk to Lane because I know absolutely nothing about Aspen outside of the movie Dumb and Dumber. So it was very enlightening for me. So an interesting fact about both Aspen and Dumb and Dumber: the scenes in Dumb and Dumber that proclaimed to be filmed in Aspen were actually filmed in Breckenridge because Aspen said no. Okay, strike that. I know nothing about Aspen. You do know, the one thing you do know about Aspen from Dumb and Dumber, though, is a, a little bit about the culture and vibe of Aspen. And we get into that pretty deep with Lane today. He has a lot to say. Pretty much everything I know about a lot of destinations, which I shouldn't say as a travel writer, but a lot of things that I know about certain destinations come primarily from movies. And that's a subconscious thing. Like Hawaii, I've never been to Hawaii. When I think of Hawaii, all I think about is Adam Sandler's 51st Dates. I think all, the entirety of Hawaii are these like little diners where you meet all of these native locals and all there's just a bunch of cute girls making waffle houses who have really, really, really short-term memories. Yep. I mean, th it's funny how that is true. But the thing about Aspen, and I don't typically say this about very expensive destinations because I'm frugal, but Aspen is one of those places that like I went there on a press trip. And I had been there, you know, I'd skied days there once or twice in my life, but I, I went there to stay and actually go into the town for the first time. And honestly, I get it. It's a cool place. The vibe is, it's happening no matter what time of day. It's exciting walking around downtown. There's always all kinds of people. You can go into the bar where Hunter S. Thompson ran his campaign for sheriff. There's just so many cool cultural tidbits in Aspen. Like the lore actually is legit there. It's It's kind of like, Paris, you know, they say that Paris is the place that like you go there and you expect it to be so amazing. And it's the one place that actually is so amazing and doesn't let you down. I kind of feel that way about Aspen. Aspen is everything that people say that it is. What is it? Aspen, if you were to give it a designation, like, you know, the Big Apple, the Windy City, Aspen is what? The piggy bank. The piggy bank. As a frugal person, how do you reconcile that with a weekend in Aspen? I know you said it's worth it, but do you does that give you some hesitation as a guy that doesn't like would rather invest than splurge on like a fancy weekend? The thing is, it's like it makes you question 
your own beliefs, right? It's one of those places that's like this, this, this is awesome enough that I'm going to buy into the hype. And, and you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go to this restaurant and I'm going to buy that $18 cocktail and that glass of booze. So if you're conservative with your money, if you're frugal like Tim, Aspen will change your whole financial philosophy. After one visit, just one visit, you'll find yourself buying Kino cards, dropping $400 for wine you've never heard of at a casual dinner. It may ruin your life. So let's just hope Tim never has to go there and actually spend his own money. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it. We're going to jump into the interview with Lane here, and we'll see you on the other side. All right. We're here with Lane from Compass Real Estate and uh, the one of the prized Aspen locals of Pitkin County. Lane, how you doing, man? I'm well. Let's, let's get off the bat here by talking a little bit about what brought you out to Colorado, how you ended up in Aspen, of all places. After college, I decided to do the one year like everyone, you know, the one ski season and then go back to school or whatever. The winter turned into summer and then uh, 12, 12 years later, still here. From what I understand and from what I think you told me uh, when we were having dinner one night is that you kind of came with the intention of skiing and then you're now a realtor. And that's that's a quite a shift, the ski bum to realtor thing. How did that <laughs> Work. Yeah, I mean, probably, you know, 12 years, it's been half and half now. I'm right at the cusp of being full dirt bag, ski bum, you know, sleeping on couches and working for Warren Miller to, you know, combing my hair and going to the office and showing many castles and all that good stuff. So how is uh, an Aspen visitor different from a typical visitor to another resort town? Like what makes Aspen more unique? What makes it attract uh, a very, a more specific kind of person? Um, I would say the price. That's just very simple. It costs a lot of money. So it definitely brings a demographic that is more wealthy than others. And is everyone coming for the skiing and snowboarding or are people coming just as, because Aspen is famous and they want to see the town and they want to spend a bunch of money I think, you know, going back to the calendar, that like Christmas to January the 5th, that's going to be when you see actual paparazzi downtown trying to snap a shot of the Kardashian girls walking down the street. Um, people come during that holiday to shop, to be seen, to, you know, go out, post pictures of themselves on Aston Mountain. And then, you know, during the not holiday season, you'll see actual people that are here to enjoy skiing, enjoy the mountain. Um, the summer is totally different. You know, there's so many other ways to recreate. It's less of a spectacle. They want to they want to come and actually enjoy time with their family and you know enjoy the beautiful place that Aspen is. The first time I was on a press trip to Aspen. I walked into Mishola with Liz and Zahn and Lance Armstrong was sitting at the bar. Yeah. And he was probably taking shots with the sheriff. Right. And what surprised me the most about that situation was that nobody seemed to care that was in there. Like no one cared. Yeah. And like, I was like, that's, that's fucking Lance Armstrong right there. And to me, that's a big deal. But to the, the people at Aspen, it is not. I mean, Lance, there are, there are some staples that live here, you know, like, um, Kevin Costner's here all summer. 
Um, Kate Hudson uh, lives here mostly, you know, and she hangs out with the sheriff and Lance all the time. I've seen those three at that same restaurant on on occasion. It, it, it's not uncommon to see someone walking around town that you see on television. That's for sure. It's not classy to to care, Tim. You got to pretend like it's it's pedestrian. Yeah, man. That's how. I, that's how you know that I was from out of town is that I was, I was not like, I wasn't freaking out, but I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Everyone at the bar is playing it cool. And Tim is just like up in their face with his iPhone. Like, can you take a picture with me? Hey, let me buy you a shot. No, no, it's funny. Like the, the Jenner girls were just here over the holidays. And one of my clients daughters were, they love those girls. I really don't know who they are, but, they tracked them down on Instagram. So they were watching their stories, you know, as they were coming in live and they were literally, you know, they were, were hounding where they are, what vehicle they're in. They found what vehicle they were in. They found it outside the jewelry store and they waited for them to come out, you know, and they have this video where they're five feet from, you know, all the girls getting into their white G-Wagon and so forth. It's pretty funny. That's what Tim does with Tom DeLong from Blink-182 in uh, California. I would. That's like a casual Saturday afternoon for Tim. My wife told me that she would not go to San Diego with me ever because she thinks I would embarrass her by like, showing up at tom's house yeah we're just gonna go to dinner it's uh it's it's two in the morning tim why are you we're going to dinner at two in the morning show up at this whose house is this why are we at this back door i i mean on that note what are the thoughts of 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 you as someone that lives in aspen do you love these ritzy situations or does it kind of get on your nerves after a while no i mean it doesn't bother me um if anything it's comical i'm not living in aspen for the celebrity paparazzi so i don't know how to ski or snowboard would i have fun in aspen oh 100 just this year we've kind of gotten into uh nordic skiing what, what is nordic skiing should i know what that is cross-country skiing oh i, th- I thought i was skiing while some while, while somehow like also being sustainable and environmentally friendly i don't know what makes it nordic <laughs> no i mean there's plenty of things to do um, you know, walking, like I said, cross-country skiing, ice skating. Um, there's plenty, plenty of trails, uh, bike, biking trails that, you know, you can get on that are flat. I mean, our music scene is awesome. Um, the belly up right downtown. We get world-class acts. So you'd still have fun. So this is something that I think is much more up Evan's alley. And in fact, when I first brought this up to Evan, he wouldn't stop talking to me about it for like a month. So I, I heard... I think I got a press release like a year ago about uh, the Little Nell offering a service where they will rent you nice clothes and send you out on the town looking like a total boss. And then you can just turn the clothes back in and not have to like worry about buying a $5,000 suit to go party at uh, uh, at the Caribou Club or something like that. I, and that that to me is... As much of the part of the Aspen experience is like going out and being in town after skiing than actually being on the mountain all day long. Would we look out of place all decked out like that though, Tim? That was my one concern was that like you see in like movies where people in Aspen are all like dressed to the nines, but I feel like me and you would show up and it would be like Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber and they're like orange and purple tuxedos showing up to that 
I think it was Aspen and Dumb and Dumber. You can definitely kind of tell by what someone's wearing, um, you know, if they've at least been to Colorado before. <laughs> you know, the the permaloft, the down jacket is an essential item to stay warm. You know, if you have a a some kind of leopard skin, <laughs> you know, mink coat on top of it. That's also kind of a telltale. The poodle. The poodle is another one also. Um, if, if you're walking a poodle by the gondola square. Well, I mean, in Dumb and Dumber, remember that they like wear that, like the, the Western rawhide jacket with all the tassels coming in under the arms. That's what I was, I was going to do all of those things just to embarrass Tim so bad that he would never show his face in Aspen ever again. Tim's a local now. I know. It's like going to your buddy's hometown bar and just making an absolute ass out of yourself. Yeah. And just ruining your friend's reputation at their hometown bar. That's what I'm, that's my goal for Tim and Aspen. Yeah. We'll have to go back to Mishola and uh, we'll post up at the bar and see who sits down next to us. See how much how embarrassed I get. Um, so I, I, I want to go back to, the real estate thing for a minute. What are we talking? What's like? What's the average home price in Aspen? Um, the average single family home price in 2020 uh, was ten million dollars. Pocket change. Yeah, I mean the two bedroom condo in Aspen Core, the average you know price per square foot is twenty three hundred dollars a foot. So let's talk a little bit about skiing. What are your thoughts on uh, on uh, having a couple of Vuv clothes before you get on the gondola and, and, uh, and rocking. I think that kind of calmed the nerves for uh, a newbie a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the private jet company that sets up all spring at the base of the gondola and hand out free champagne for everyone that's getting on. Do you recommend being drunk while skiing as a beginner to loosen the nerves, <laughs> make falling a little easier? <laughs> It's like, you know, when you're at a bar, you're playing pool, you have those like first two beers and you're like, I'm in the zone. And then, you know, after that, you just fall off. I would say the same is probably true for skiing. You know, there's a fine line, fine line of um, having a little extra confidence to help yourself skiing and then um, being too drunk and then you kill yourself by running into a tree. Okay. I've, I've tried boarding once and I felt like I was overthinking everything and I was just so much in my own head. And as awful as I was at it, I was I remember thinking like, if I was just like a little buzzed, I bet I would be doing better at this. Like I bet I would, it would take me less than two hours to make it down the bunny slope. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that, uh, there is that line. I, I, the one time I severely, well, I didn't severely, but the one time I hurt myself snowboarding was definitely when I was having too many Coors Lights or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it also kind of goes back to like, what kind of a day are you having? Are you having like a chill day of hitting cruisers with your buddies? Or are you trying to like do an objective and like, you know, hike uh, hike Highlands Bowl or something like that, uh, where you need to like be on your A game and you're actually going to be working out? Well, I mean, you also hike up Highlands Bowl once you're at the top, you have a celebratory beer. So you just put that in your bag. There you go. Um, there on Aspen, you know, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to, you know, bring up a case of beer one day and bury, you know, 
five beers at each of the shrines that we like to visit during the day. So, you know, you can always go to the Jerry Garcia Shrine and know there's going to be a, a cold Modelo waiting for you in the little snow pit that you built. What is the deal with the shrines? Because last time I was there, uh, I was skiing with uh, with another media uh, liaison like yourself, and she took me to a couple of them, including the Jerry Garcia, uh, Garcia one, but I understand there's a bunch of them, and they all kind of pay tribute to a different thing. Yeah, on Aspen Mountain, there's thir- over 30 shrines ranging from you know marilyn monroe Jimi hendrix you know artists to the red Sox. you know there's a couple sports team shrines um to you know our fallen friends that have you know passed away over the years um in the spring there's a group of us that we do a, a proper shrine tour day and you know there's 20 people you divide up the shrines um, you know, three people get a shrine and you kind of sponsor that one. You show up, the speaker's rolling, you know, there's uh, John Denver's playing at John Denver Shrine. Sunshine on your shoulders makes me happy. And then they actually <clears throat> have a microphone and um, ask trivia and we have legit prizes. So like we'll go around to the restaurants in town and get gift cards sponsored for our shrine day. And if you get the trivia right you know you get a gift card um and it's a great way to ski the hill too you're not just doing the same you know lap that everyone does to the same chairlift you're actually moving around the mountain with an objective so and the high i mean for highlands it's kind of like the locals mountain you're not going to see a lot of the the hoopla um yeah the kardashians are up at the top yeah tim how many times have you gone skiing hoping to see the kardashians versus how many times have you been disappointed i wouldn't even recognize you just cr- crash into every single person hoping they're a celebrity and you'll have like a like a romantic comedy meet cute moment like oh i'm so sorry like oh kendall jenner my problem is i wouldn't even recognize any of a lot of these people probably like the kardashians or whatever i, I don't know i wouldn't like i i would recognize like Zach Galifianakis or something, you know, like somebody that's like a total B or C level star, but I would totally miss the A level person. Yeah. The Kendall Jenner of comedians, Zach Galifianakis. Who did I see last summer who I was really excited about? Cause he looked like a total dirtbag. Um, Gary Busey. He's wearing cut off blue jean shorts, a cut off t-shirt was like, um, Col- university of Colorado dad. He was walking some mangy dogs, but it was certainly him. Do you uh do you ski and snowboard or just ski? Uh, I snowboarded my like middle school years, you know, because it was cool. But uh, I don't I don't even own a snowboard anymore now. I just ski really. Any shit you want to talk to snowboarders? I'm I'm still up in the air on like which one I want to take up. People keep telling me skiing's easier, but snowboarding's like cooler. No, I mean there's all obviously the rivalry will be in stone for till the end of time. But I, I ski with snowboarders all the time. It's almost more fun to ride with snowboarders because they don't just go straight down the mountain and actually like to play around and enjoy the terrain and features. And- I think that the rivalry though has kind of like watered down over the last 20 years. Like I remember when I was in high school, it, it did feel like there was kind of a rivalry 
And then one day I went to Berthet Pass back when they still had lifts there. And I remember talking to a skier there and he was like, yeah, this is the mountain that solved the rivalry between skiers and snowboarders. And now everybody gets along. I feel like they're like skiers don't hate snowboarders, but snowboarders hate skiers. Is that accurate? Like it's looked at as like this preppy, not cool, uh, like yuppie thing. Whereas skiers looking at snowboarders are just like, yeah, whatever. I think snowboarders definitely look at skiers in a way that's like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's def- certainly not hate, but I think that there is definitely a like, I'm the cool kid in the room. And if you play with me, you can be the cool kid too. Like, and I, I think that snowboarders often unintentionally have that vibe about them. As a snowboarder, I will admit that for sure. Wasn't this topic addressed in, you guys ever see Johnny Tsunami, that Disney movie about the surfer kid from Hawaii who then goes to uh, Colorado, not even Colorado, and he starts snowboarding? I think, and the whole thing is about like the rivalry between snowboarding and skiing. Anyway, Disney original movie for kids in like 2001. So check it out. Answers this very issue. I haven't seen it either. I'm writing it down. Johnny Tsunami. It's a classic. Absolute classic. All right, Lane. Well, I've got one final question for you, and then we're going to move into our, our, our next quick segment. The question is, when was the last time you had a glass of Vuv? Oh, I imagine it was, you know, New Year's Eve. See, I think because I think the last time I had one was when I was with you at that restaurant, uh, wherever Liz sent us the last time I was in town. Was Tim the annoying media guy that's that comes on a trip as a guest and just like over orders and gets like blackout and is a huge pain in the ass? No, that's me. It's like the the host really splurge on the company dime. But then I get yelled at by my coordinator, you know, what happened to dinner? <laughs> it was just you and Tim. That's the host we like. <laughs> right. You got to text a photo of the receipt and it's just like drink, 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 drink. Our next section is we have a we do a quick listener question where it's uh, generally an on-topic thing where a listener submits a question for the guests. So today's question is from Jesse from Miami. This is what he says. I dropped out of college to be a ski bum, moving from Miami to Summit County. I've been here five years and 25 years old, and I'm getting tired of working as a server for eight months and then heading back to my parents' house during the shoulder seasons because I can't afford the rent. Should I go back to school, take a job at a ski resort and try to work my way up or just wing it until something comes along? I feel like this is Tim's alter ego. It's the ultimate conundrum for the ski bum. It is. And, you know, I think that Aspen definitely accelerates that process because you it's harder to rent a home without certain income. So and. In my experience, it was pretty much, oh shit, I'm tired of, I'm, I'm in the same boat as this guy. <laughs> and I reached out to a friend of a friend and started doing real estate. So, I mean, I was just kind of, I was in the exact same predicament where I was tired of, you know, doing the seasonal work, getting yelled at by tourists, and yeah, just made the switch. So, I think that finding your little slice and whatever pie of the ski community you can get in um, that's fruitful enough that you can sustain throughout the year and potentially save some money and set yourself up for 
uh, entire life in a mountain community. Um, that would be the move, whatever. With if that's working for the ski company, um, property management, real estate, art salesman. <laughs> that's a big industry here, um, being an art dealer. But yeah, you have to get out of the food and beverage space. That's what sucks people in. You make you can make you can make a lot of cash and you can go travel on the off season, but you know, after you do it for 10, 15, 30 years, you're a slave to that and that's really all you have. Um, so it's a slippery slope. My for my town back home, I know at least like five or six people that when they were around twenty two, twenty five ish. They moved out to Colorado or Wyoming and worked at a ski resort. And that was a thing that everyone did for like a year. And they, they all said, I'm just going to do it for like this season and then I'm going to come back. Mm-hmm. And every single one loved it so much that they stayed out there and they moved there. And they were like, well, I'm, I'm out here. I'm, I'm living here. I am now a Colorado resident. I love it. I'm a Colorado guy. And every single one moved back one year later. So it's an interesting trend that it's like a, it's almost like a, a, a millennial thing now. Like do a, do a year in Colorado, think that you're going to like live there forever until you die and then kind of like get over the ski thing and move back. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen, you know, so I've been here almost 12 years now, the same folks that were here, you know, they all kind of fall up. Oh, there goes another one back to wherever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to see how people do kind of make it work and draw it out. Right on, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. It's good catching up and uh, hopefully we'll see you up on the mountain one of these days. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. All right. Cheers, dude. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Elaine, for coming on and talking. Now it's time to move on to our, our ever-popular hot takes section. Evan, I've got... I've got a first question for you here that is something I really want to know because I've only been to Vermont once, but I do want to know how does the vibe in Vermont compare with a place like, you know, Colorado? I actually haven't been to a Colorado ski town yet. Like I haven't been to Aspen or Breck or Vail or any of those places. So I've only been to uh, Killington, Vermont, really, which is like one of the main ski mountains there and it's on new year's eve every year so the atmosphere is just electric so i don't know but i would guess that it's fairly similar i think a lot of killington though is like finance bros from boston who drive up to killington it's not vermont people like the ski scene in vermont is not people from vermont it's people from massachusetts it's people from new hampshire it's like guys that just throw on a snowsuit over their their accounting suits because they just got off work in Boston and hauled it up to Vermont to make it in time for last call. So I think what you're getting are transplants rather than in Colorado. It's it's the Colorado stereotypical like okay. ski bum. Fair enough. Okay. Next question. If you were to party in Aspen for a night, based on what Lane has told us and based on any films you may have seen about Aspen like Dumb and Dumber, what would you wear? The only film that I've seen about Aspen is Dumb and Dumber, and it's not about Aspen. It just features Aspen in like two scenes. So that is exactly, if, if we were to do that uh, tuxedo thing, Tim, so basically for anyone who doesn't, didn't catch it, 
there's this company that you can pay. It's part of a hotel, right? It's like a, a service that a hotel provides. Yes. You pay them and they will outfit you like to the nines in like, not like a tuxedo, but they'll, they'll dress you sharp for a night out on the town in Aspen. So you fit in with all the, the baller celebrities and high rollers. So this is something we were considering doing right before COVID hit. I would still love to do this. I would, I think that we would end up looking absolutely ridiculous and out of place, but I would have to do that for one night. And then just one night, then the other night, two nights go out normally, but at least one night, just deal with it, look ridiculous, pretend, even pretend like we're fucking like B-list actors or something. I don't know. Just, just really lean into it. It would be fun to lean into it. I, uh, I just, I always feel so awkward when I'm really dressed up nicely because I know that it's so unnatural to me. And I feel like everybody else is looking at me like, what is this kid doing? He doesn't know what he's fucking doing. We just got to create a persona and then really embrace it. Tell people we had a really minor role in like Game of Thrones or something. Only a few speaking lines. We became internet sensations in some dark, weird corners of the internet and made a pretty nice payday. If we were going to do that, though, before we left the hotel to go to the bar, we would have to like identify a scene of the show that we could bring up on our phone because you know that's the first thing that somebody's going to ask is, oh, let me see. And then we're going to have to be like, oh, you see that person over there? That's me. And also have Lane follow us around all night and take pictures of us like he's a paparazzi. Just really, really pull out all the stops, you know. And then the next night, come out looking totally normal in flannels. And people would be like, aren't you those guys who were out last night in those absurd suits? Those like actors no one's ever heard of? We'd just be like... Uh, no, I think you're uh, I think you're mistaken. It's funny because I feel like Lane knows everybody in Aspen, so he would be a good person to have trailing us. But I feel like Aspen's social life is, again, to, back to Dumb and Dumber, it's like these uh, charity balls for conservation initiatives, like the, the endangered snowy owl that they go to. Like that's where we'd be showing up to. There definitely is that. But the thing about Aspen is that there's so much money in Aspen. To put it into perspective, Aspen has two daily newspapers and it's a mountain town. <laughs> like there's there's it, it, it basically has big city culture in this like small town. So like there's really good museums. There is there's like a world class music venue that gets like freaking the offspring and like really big like punk bands from 2002 yeah sure but like i that's the thing i was trying to think of somebody that's really popular and i don't, I get, don't know one dude they get the offspring i think the offspring but like <laughs> they do have a really good music venue and there are some clubs and like good bars it's aspen is a crazy place because there might only be i, I don't know however many thousands of people live there but there are probably at any given time, four times as many tourists there. And those tourists want to go out and spend money. Uh, okay, last last question. What would it take for you to take a girl on a ski date? Uh, <laughs> I, I weirdly think that would be um, a great move, actually, despite the fact that I don't know how to ski, because I think nothing bonds two people more than shared hardship. In this case, the hardship being me miserably falling every three seconds and not knowing how to make it down the hill. So I kind of feel like it would be a sneaky, good move. Fair enough. That's a good answer. I don't know. Assuming she knows how to ski, but even if she doesn't, actually it's even better if she doesn't know how to ski. There's nothing better. You, you know, you end up at the bottom of the hill. You're all just bruised and miserable. 
but you've shared an experience, you know, I'd rather, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's how you get close to someone. That's how you get to know someone. It's like shared hardship, trauma bonding, trauma bonding, they call it. There we go. That's, that'll be a new, new phrase on this show. Trauma bonding. That's actually a great name for a spinoff podcast. We could do trauma bonding with Tim and Evan. Yeah. Trauma. That's going to be our, that'll be our Thursday podcast. The good thing about going on a ski date is that there's so much to do. Like you can ski, but part of the whole experience is like, having drinks afterwards and like having food and like the whole mountain town experience and like staying in a hotel and have all these other things, especially in a place like Aspen where like it's a whole scene. But you have to commit to spending quite a lot of time with that person. So you have to like know them decently well already, I think. Yeah, it's probably not a first date. It's like, uh, you know, you've been maybe hanging out a handful of times and you're ready to do something other than like go to dinner and have drinks. Like you actually want to do something to see if you connect with this person. All right, Tim, your turn. Uh, first question is chocolate overhyped real controversial one here. I mean, from me coming as somebody that doesn't do sweets, really, I would say yes. I mean, I like some dark chocolate. I can get into it, but I personally just don't get it. I don't get the obsession, not even just with chocolate, but with sweets and dessert in general. Like I will never ever pay to order dessert at a restaurant. I, I don't think I've ever done that. All right. I did not think you were going to take it to this level, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, so I used to hate chocolate. I used to not be a chocolate guy at all. Um, I have slowly reformed and I now like all chocolate except chocolate cake and frosting. I'm just not a big cake and frosting guy. But I, it's almost like this cult of chocolate, you know, like there's all kinds of different desserts, you know, there's cakes, there's pies, there's like fruit tarts, there's ca- different kinds of candies, uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And then there's chocolate and chocolate's like the Yankees of dessert, you know, and if you don't, if you say you don't like chocolate, you're like this pariah. People are like, what's, what's wrong with you? And I mean, other opinions are acceptable. You can say, I don't like blueberries and no one bats an eye or even like avocados, which is the millennial food and no one really cares. But chocolate is the one food you're not allowed to have an opinion on. It's like telling someone you've never seen the big Lebowski. How have you never seen the big Lebowski? It's like, how have you don't like, how do you not like chocolate? I don't know. Same thing with bacon. If you tell someone you don't like bacon or you just like bacon as a friend, you don't love bacon. They fly off the handle. I mean, so I think what it comes down to is that there are certain things that people are very self-conscious of their own obsessions with, and so that they immediately go on the defensive when you don't like it. It's the same thing. Like, I don't eat a lot of meat, and so if I'm I'm not a, like a fucking strict vegetarian or anything like that, but if I'm out with people and I order like, you know, if we're at a burger place and I don't get a burger, I then have to like explain why I don't get a burger. And people get like super uncomfortable about that. They don't want to, they don't want anything that might not be what they think, you know? And so it, it, it's, I think it's the same thing with chocolate. And, and I experience the same thing when I'm at dessert or at a restaurant with people, I don't want to order dessert. I want to pay the bill and go, but no, Oh, we're going to have a dessert. Oh, you don't want a dessert. Why don't you want a dessert? Like, why don't you want this gigantic fucking 4,000 calorie piece of cake? Like, I just don't want it. I, that's not how I eat. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're taking this sort of, you're extrapolating that to a broader category of desserts in general. And I, I mean, I, I used to never get desserts at restaurants. I've sort of started to do that a little bit more, but 
Yeah, it's and people, especially to that point, when people want to split desserts, like not everyone wants their own, but people want to split. The one dessert that everyone seems to always agree on is the chocolate cake, like the the double molten right. chocolate mousse cake or whatever. And I'm always the guy that's like, I don't want that. There's 12 other desserts on this list. Do you guys want any of these other ones? Because literally any other one is fine. Everyone's like, no, I don't want anything that doesn't have chocolate in it. It's almost like they're taking this stubborn stand in defense of chocolate that isn't necessary. Yeah. And, you know, I was in Bali once and we were at a dessert. It was like a dessert restaurant, a nice restaurant. But all they served was desserts. And so it's like, a, you you know, you order like off a menu of like eight different desserts. And the only dessert that I liked was the dessert that everybody else hated. It was like a donut with like some vanilla ice cream on top of it. And I thought it was the best one. And everybody else was like, what? That is like the most boring dessert on the menu. Right. Yeah. Everyone thinks of like, oh, you want a vanilla ice cream? That's so boring. It's like chocolate is literally the most ubiquitous dessert. And yet vanilla is boring. Like... I'll eat any ice cream flavor, literally any, except chocolate. I just I don't like chocolate ice cream. Yet I'm the inflexible one when I don't want chocolate. Right. Thousands of ice cream flavors right. they will reject because they have to have chocolate. It's ridiculous. Cool. We agree on that. That's good. Yeah, that probably got a little more heated than we anticipated it getting, but we also just lost like 12 subscribers, but yeah. Whatever. <laughs> we only have five left. That would be never a negative four. Fuck. Uh, okay. Next question. What do you think about people who go by their first and last name? So, and this is a subconscious thing. So, you know, you have certain friends or you, you talk about certain people who you don't just call them, uh, Tim, you call them Tim winger, like Tim winger, like Joe Biden, you know, it's always Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Yeah. It's not, and I feel like his friends probably called him Joe Biden when he was like in college and they were like, Oh, who's, who's house party are you going to tonight? Oh, Joe Biden. Cause it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, Two wait, Joe Biden. That's three syllables. Like two and three syllable names. They're a first, first and last name person. You never say that about George Stephanopoulos. You know what do you think about that? What 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 is it that makes certain people known by their first and last name? Is it just the brevity of the name? Is it something else? Is it like what is that? Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know people like that? I do, uh, and I I think honestly, I think it kind of comes down to, in some cases, it's like a nickname basically, because the person doesn't have another nickname and people have a tendency to create nicknames for people. Right. And the same goes for just, just calling someone by their last name. Like how do some people get known by their last name? And some people are never, ever known by their last name. Like I'll find myself, people are like, oh, who, who did you hang out with this past weekend? And I'll find myself listing off like five names, three of which are last names and two of which are first names. And then I think, why did I? Why do I call these three friends by their last name? And why do I call these two friends never by their last name? It'd be really weird to do that. And I don't know. I wonder now. I'm like curious. I wonder how many people like set out to just become known by their last name. Like, do you think people like I don't like my first name, but I have a pretty common last name like Johnson. I wonder if I can just get everybody to call me Johnson. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason. It's it's like so. All right, one of my best friends, his name is Mike Leahy. I've never called him Mike in my entire life. He's Leahy. His name is Leahy. That's it. Yeah. That's definitely a name that begs to that though. Like certain names just kind of. But why? Why is that? Because they're know. cool. It's a cool last name. And no and no one else has that name. You don't know 10 people. You don't know 10 Leahy's. No, I don't. But I, but I, no one's ever called me Diskin in my entire life as in, as my name. No one's ever been like, oh, Diskin, what's up? Never once. Yeah. 
I don't have that long of a name. It's two syllables, Diskin, Leahy, same same length. No one does it. It's just, I don't know. I'm not pro or anti this phenomenon. I just thought, you know, thought we'd shed some light on it. And Do women do it too? Or is it mostly men that do that? I don't think women call each other by their last names. Like, I, I'm trying to imagine Alicia, like trying to talk about her friend, Kelsey. Be like, yeah, I'm, I was talking to Johnson on the phone last night. Like she would never, <laughs> she would never say that, you know? Again, well, let's weigh in, people. Send us, send us a comment. Send us an email. Theblackoutdatespod at gmail Let us know. Tell us what friends you refer to by first and last name, and or just by last name, and we'll compare and contrast, and we'll synthesize that data and figure it out. All right. Well, we got through another one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. Make sure to subscribe, leave us a uh, review on Apple about what you think about calling people by their last names, because it's a head-scratcher for us. And make sure to leave us five stars, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>